Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt. And as we say at the beginning of every episode, there's no end of people telling you what to think out there, but that's not what we do here. Uh, Maybe some of those people are worth listening to. Maybe they're not. But there's no chance for all of us to be experts in everything. We all have to take shortcuts. So here we have a conversation and hopefully expose a little bit about how different people think about different things. These kinds of conversations are my favorite. Growing up, I would sit in my front room with my grandpa Carl, talk about the news of the day. I'd sit in my grandma Roxy's front room and talk about stories of her life. I learned so much from both of them. I got lots of different ways of looking at the world, great conversations, and it was all training me for this moment right now. Welcome to the front room, Andrea Jones-Roy. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, hope your grandparents are signing in soon. I, they're dead, okay. but, <laughs> but I, su- I suppose in they're some here way with they, us in spirit. they yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Sure, great. they're yeah. always signed in. Um, right. yeah, no, and, and, and it's not a, a touchy spot. Uh, my, my grandparents were, were old, so they're, they're long gone. Uh, right, but, right. uh, but it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, I am very excited to have you on the show uh, because I'm a fan of your work with Andrew Heaton, uh, your regular guest on Political Orphanage, and I always love hearing you talk and your insights. Well, thanks for for saying that, and thanks for listening. Andrew Heaton is awesome, and so uh, anyone who's a f- friend of Andrew Heaton is a friend of mine. That's that's oh. the expression. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I, I like that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, likewise. Yes. And yeah, so I guess if this goes horribly, we can both send Heaton a horrible email. We can email blame like, Heaton. Something's this wrong. Per- yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Wow, yeah. I feel so much more relaxed suddenly. Yeah, this is yeah, this is yeah, it's a win-win. I think. Um, I was very interested in the episode you did with him uh, about uh, p- personal identity, uh, where where you talked about if I if I remember right, you talked specifically about non-binary, right? Mm, yes, yes, indeed. So that made me want to bring up the word identity for our conversation, uh, not just because of, of what you talked about on that episode, but also just the the idea of political identity, because you're also a political scientist um, and and how we we use identity in different ways now than maybe we used to and how maybe it's not that different, but we think it's different. Um, if, if you don't mind. Uh, tell me what you think when you hear that word. Yes. And I have to say when I, uh, you know, our calendar invite for this podcast said uh, identity right at the top. And every time it's like, because it is so charged now, I feel like I would see it and be like, I got to come up with something that's going to save the world to say, but it's, you're, you're right in all of the things that you just said in the sense that we've, you know, political science, social scientists have been thinking about identity for a long time in, in kind of a formal way, in a survey way, in a measurement data-y way. Mm-hmm. But humans have also thought about identity for a really long time. And my general interpretation of identity is 
pretty simple. It's just how we see ourselves. I think identity has taken on other meanings when we link it with like identity politics, which is the main charged Mm -hmm. phrase that I think we think of when we think of identity now. But really, identity is just who you think you are. And it's something you give yourself as opposed to something that someone else assigns to you. I think that's a distinction I would make, at least. Yeah, yeah. I I like that. Uh, And and immediately makes me think about the times that I've let other people mm. assign my identity, right? Where yeah. the identity, it, you're not, you're not wrong at all, right? You, the identity is, is my choosing, but I, I personally, and I'm, I'm sure other people too have often said, well, they see me that way. So I guess that's what I am. Right. And you sort of play to the stereotype or you give up on your own sense of identity or, you know, and, and I think to not to over, over focus on the non-binary side of things, but it's, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have that word for a long time. And so said my identity is a woman because what else would it be? And I even thought for a long time, like maybe I'm transgender and I don't think so. And Mm -hmm. so I just sort of, those were the options. And so I kind of flipped back and forth. And then even when I heard the word non-binary, I thought like, oh, that doesn't sound like kind of just sounds like nothing kind of sounds made up. I roll my eyes like everybody else does. Yeah. Yeah, Like what? I can be a lamp, a cat or whatever (laughs) I want. Right. So it took some doing, uh, before I got there, but the, the, another way, two other ways that you can kind of think of identity is it's, uh, is it's in, it's not in a vacuum, right? So when I consider my own identity, I can think of both the ranking of identity. So who am I first? And in political science, we think like, The classic one is someone, you know, are you European first or are you French first? Am I an American first or a New Yorker first? And so I have all these identities and they're kind of nested and I can change that ranking. Like I would say I'm American before I'm a New Yorker, but there are definitely New Yorkers who would say they're New Yorkers before they're American. So it's sort of relative to the rest of the world. And it's also I'm labeling myself something that other people probably label themselves to. So by saying I'm non-binary, mm. I'm a Democrat, I'm a New Yorker, I'm linking myself into a group with other people who've called themselves that. So it's how I define myself, but it's also how I define myself relative to others. Which is why I think a lot of people change what they, not even necessarily change their identity, but change the aspects they like to present totally. quite often. Totally. And I think at at its heart, the phrase, and we don't have to over-index on this phrase either, but identity politics kind of is saying we're putting certain identities at the forefront of how I've decided to interpret all political events or my assessment mm-hmm. of leaders' performance or my approval of various policies and so on. It's not always used that way, but I think that's kind of broadly how it's being used. Yeah, because... Uh- when people talk about identity politics, particularly, they're not talking about my identity as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, right? They sure that's, are not. Yeah, that that's definitely part of. I've decided to make that part of my identity, but right. it's it's always the political identities that are the ones they're talking about. Well, and it's not even just the political identities. So, in political science, we would say our political identity is is how I associate with like a party or how far left or how far right I'm imagining and may correct me if I'm interpreting incorrectly from what you just said, that, that political identity air quotes in this sense also means like demographic identity. So my gender identity, my racial identity, my sexual orientation and those sorts of things. So, so I think in everyday language, we, we think of those as political identities. They're definitely politically charged identities, but 
in the kind of classic political science sense of political identity is I see myself as a Democrat, as a union member, as like a blue collar. And, and maybe I'm wrong to think of those as two separate things because, you know, people on the left, P- LGBTQ plus folks are almost always Democrats, but not always. And the fact that I just said folks <laughs> is revealing of my various <laughs> identities, right? We have little signals out there. Yeah, I, I think that um, the identity is – I don't want to say it's fluid or on a spectrum or, or the, those are the wrong words, but but it's it, it depends on what you're using it for. So when I said political identity, uh, I was thinking the parts of your identity that are advantageous – for me as a candidate to try to win points, win votes, oh. et cetera. And then where what you just described was a more technical, like, but the political scientists use it to mean like, what is your political identity? Like what makes right. up your political self? And and that that is a more precise definition of it. Uh, but I think it shows that that it's a very malleable term. It is. Well, and I think that it gets very it gets very messy very quickly. Uh, we can also complicate it by adding the word politicized to anything. So an identity as a white person, as a non-binary person can become politicized and suddenly it is relevant to politics. And just as you said, it can be something that we probably are talking. You could evaluate, you know, just word usage as we talk about candidates. We're probably talking about their race and ethnicity way more than we used to. We're probably talking about sexual orientation and and gender identity way more than we used to for lots of reasons, not just because they were politicized. They also kind of weren't safe to talk about for whatever, right? So we can complicate it. You know, even before this, because I am a good scholar, I looked up uh, the latest political science research on identity. And even in the last three years, one of my favorite political science journals is the annual review of political science. And an expert comes in and writes literally a summary of the state of the field. Oh, wow. In the last 10 years, there's been like 20 papers just about identity, summarizing uh-huh. the field. And there's 10 million different interpretations. So even my take political identity is very, very narrow. And there are people who write about ethnic identity and gender identity. And so it's, it's a mess in political science too. Well, and, and we, we continually mess it up and I don't want to fall in the trap of saying uh, suddenly we've started doing this. Cause I think you can find examples of this even before the internet, but the internet certainly accelerates it where I'm a Harry Potter fan, mm-hmm. meant a whole lot of different thing before mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling started uh, engaging online with her personal beliefs than it yes. did afterwards, right? And it doesn't mean you can't be a Harry Potter fan, but there's an aspect of like, I'm a Harry Potter fan, but uh, now that right. a lot of people want to add to it that didn't need to be there before it might be, I'm a Harry Potter fan, but I, I don't like a lot of kids' books otherwise. I've, I'm just into right. that. Whereas now it's, I'm a Harry Potter fan, but I don't actually agree with J.K. Rowling, or maybe I do, uh, right. whatever, uh, on, on that sort of stuff. So that that rolling, like you said, polit- that's a, an example of politicization, I guess. And I think another place that we see this and that and that is maybe evidence of politicization, but maybe is also just something that's tracking with the internet because this didn't exist before, is think of like your Twitter bio and your... Um, uh, Instagram bio and whatever shortcuts you have about yourself online. I think people who are, you know, suspicious of or or talk about or lamenting of identity politics will say, oh, we just put our identities in our bios and that becomes who we are, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a, mm-hmm. a, a left-leaning millennial gender fluid, blah, 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 Vikings as opposed fan. to just talking about who I am in some other way, right? Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I also think people curate their identities. I certainly do more. 
because I don't want to engage on stuff. I remember when Facebook first came along, I answered every one of the dumb questions on there. Like, yeah. you know, what's your religious view? What's your favorite movie? And all that stuff. Separate from the data mining aspect of that, which I honestly think is a little overblown sometimes. Uh, I, I wouldn't answer as I don't answer those kind of questions as much because I'm like, I don't want to put that flag out there because right. people look at it more seriously than they used right. to. Well, one of the things on the non-binary front, and I was very grateful to Heaton for having that conversation with me about it, but I I thought about and kind of had settled on my own sense of identity, or not settled on, but had kind of come to terms with being somewhere in the middle for a long, long time, way before I started mentioning it to anyone. And mm -hmm. in fact, the move to put your pronouns in like your email signature in like corporate America and various other places as a symbol of allyship and a symbol of inclusivity was horrible for me because I never once put she, her, but I didn't want to put anything else because I didn't know what else to put. And I wasn't ready to like, just randomly like announce something very personal to any joker who emailed me. And so I just abstained from it, which in a way is its own stance. And so I was like, these people think I'm transphobic, <laughs> but it was like, it was, it was exactly like you're doing on Facebook. It was just like, I don't want to go there. And, and I can decide how much of my identity, I think that's part of the issue with we talk about various identities is, you know, race and much of gender, you can't really change how you present. Whereas my identity as someone on the left or someone mm -hmm. who's a New Yorker or someone who's a vegan, thanks, bringing that up already, I can hide that if I want to, right? So there's, there's my own ability to, as you said, change my narrative varies depending on the aspect I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, that that's a, a very good point. Um, and there's the aspect of presenting as an identity and letting people assume that, right? Right. right. Letting people assume versus having to combat it. Um, and uh, trust me, I, I'm not trying to cry for white males when I, when I say this, but, but if you're a white male, there's now more often a, a time where you have to say, Hey, I'm a white male, but I'm one of the good ones or what, right. you know, there's more of that. I'm, I'm not trying to make too much out of that, but there, there is that, sort of aspect of the things that didn't exist before too. I mean, I don't envy white men right now. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be very candid. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on and historically blah, 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 but it's, you're right. It, it does make life very difficult and things, things I think, especially in the last handful of years that we used to not have to mention, like calling out your own identity out loud, uh, that has changed. I mean, I do a lot of speaking with companies around performance evaluation and using data. And a lot of this data tends to replicate biases. So I end up starting to talk about, you know, codified racial bias in machine learning algorithms. And I have to say, hey, I'm white. I get it, right? I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But and so I almost feel uncomfortable not mentioning it. And I don't know if that's a yeah, yeah. good or bad thing, like air quotes all over the place there. It, it does to me point to that we're in a situation where more often, maybe not all the time, maybe not at your local bar or whatever, but more often you have to uh, assume that someone is parsing your identity in a way that mm -hmm. uh, in the past may not have been very common. Sometimes it wasn't very common because everybody had the same identity, which, you know, in, in a less diverse situation is, is got its own problems. Right. But, right. but also because even even in a world where you're you're not dealing with a diversity issue, you're still dealing with people making assumptions based on what they think your identity is. Right. And not just what they think your identity is, but how important that identity is 
to you. Here's a very silly example that I'm thinking of as you say this is I was emailing with someone somewhere for some corporate something. And he emailed me to say, let's get together and meet, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he said, go camels or something. And I was like, what? What did I, did I talk about? (laughs) How am I talking about this? And it turns out- I'm a Marlboro person. What are you- Yeah, yeah. I was like, lucky strike, man. Uh, (laughs) As I vaped for, you know, and then, so I even asked him about it. I was like, what was that camels thing? Was that a mistake? And he said, oh no, I looked on your- LinkedIn, which I never mm-hmm. check. And I saw that you went to Connecticut College and their mascot is a camel. <laughs> I went to Trinity and their mascot is... And I was like, I don't think about where I went to college ever. Uh-huh. And that is a huge part of many people's identity. Sure. I I didn't particularly enjoy my college years. I also then went to grad school and spent a ton more time there. And that had a lot more to do with kind of how I think about the world. So, there, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why I don't think of myself. But a lot of people, you know, you go to... Notre Dame, and that's your identity for the rest of your life. Uh, so looking forward to the hate mail from Notre Dame <laughs> listeners. Or the, yeah, you got that right. You know, so it's not, you know, it's, so it's in some cases, it's not incorrect for him to say, oh, your identity is a Connecticut College alumna. But sure. it's not relevant to my life. It's way low on your priority scale. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, I was just rewatching uh, season two of Mad Men, because that was one of the only things on this flight that I was on. Mm-hmm. And the whole plot of season two of Mad Men is Peggy's a woman. What are we going to do about that? Uh-huh. Right. And maybe her identity as a woman is not that important to her before she entered this workplace on right. Madison Avenue with all these dudes. And now all of a sudden it's all anyone can think about. And it has everything to do with the kinds of jobs she gets and what she gets invited to. So it's like, even if you don't want it to be your identity, maybe she doesn't care. It is her identity and it dictates her whole life. So it's like you don't get to choose what counts either in a way. Yeah. I I think that's a really, really good point and a really good reminder that our identities, it's almost semiotics, you know, are a combination of what people perceive us as and what we think we are. Right. And there's that that middle ground, which is what's actually your identity out in the world. And you may not always have an accurate at least I certainly don't have an accurate idea of how that identity is perceived. Right. And it's sort of like, yeah, how am I, how do I present in the Mm -hmm. world? And so for example, when I started talking about being non-binary, I cut my hair shorter, Mm -hmm. not because you have to have short hair to be non-binary, but because I was like, I want to send a signal of less femininity. And we associate, yes, men can have long hair and men do have long hair and da, 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 da. But it was, it's, I don't know. I still don't know, you know, is there free will? I don't know if I did it because I wanted it or because I felt like it would help me convey something about myself that would reduce the friction in my life later on or increase it, but be a separating mechanism so I could avoid certain people. I don't know. Well, it's, it's like wearing a a t-shirt for, you know, uh, a band, right? You're, you're signaling. Um, it's, it's just a different kind of signal on on a different, different, more broad spectrum, uh, wavelength. Yeah. No, that's a great example. I was walking back from teaching a couple weeks ago and there, I walked by a music venue and there were all these people lined up outside the venue. It was like 5 PM early. And I guess it was an early show, but they were all wearing some version of like Mostly black, kind of leathery fishnets, but really bright pink, like cat ears and feather boas. And it was just a very specific, Uh almost like a human Hello Kitty who's goth. And I was just like, every single person was dressed like this. Uh 
And I was like, what band is that? What? And it's that band, whatever it was. I even meant to look it up, but I forgot. Maybe I'll do it after this. Has some aesthetic that these uh-huh. people were like, we're going to this event. I, I don't think they knew each other. And they were just sh- all showed up wearing a certain thing that nobody else on the street was wearing. And people in New York wear weird stuff. So it's. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was immediately a signal to yes. each other, like we're into the band, which is cool. Yeah. And immediately a signal to you of like, this is a thing going on. <laughs> this is a thing I need to, yeah. All right. I don't need to know about it, but it's not, maybe not you a do, thing. Maybe I you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's some, something like, uh, you know, I listen to Taylor Swift. I think she's a talented musician. I think her songs are catchy, but I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty. Right. But there mm-hmm. are people who like, you know, their hand Instagram handles are like Swifty 1998 or whatever. You're like, okay, that can be your whole identity. Why not? <laughs> well, that that's interesting too, is when, when do you feel comfortable picking up the label? Uh, right. so, so being covering technology for as long as I did, uh, I, I very often felt like I, sh- I shouldn't call myself a geek because geek meant you were like really into something or really skilled at something. And I never felt like, well, I like geeky stuff, but I don't know if I deserve to call myself a geek. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or uh, I've, I've gotten, uh, I'm a big fan of BTS, the the K-pop band. Mm -hmm. And my, my wife got me into them, but I wasn't sure if, should I call myself army, which is the name of their fan? Like at what point are you allowed to do that? Like there's a community membership part of identity there too. Yes. And I think it's both self policing and there is some mm-hmm. gatekeeping. So one of the things that helped me a lot was when I was reading about and, and exploring all the non bi literally it was during the pandemic and we all had nothing better to do. So I was like, I'm going to go on Reddit and, and read every post by everyone who doesn't like their current gender and just see what they have to say. And one of the big, you know, lines of or themes in the discussions was people feeling afraid they weren't trans enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel like I'll die if I don't become a man, but I would certainly prefer to become a man. Is that enough? Right. Or yeah, yeah. my hair is still long or I wear makeup, even though I'm non-binary. Is that do I count? It's like there's some kind of someone checking a box and a lot of it can be imagined, but a lot of it actually happens. Right. And and Heaton talks about this, I think, more eloquently than anyone I know anyway, about tribalism and the, and, and membership in a group is a big deal. And so declaring yourself a member is is brave for personal reasons or can be scary for personal reasons, but it also might be, you know, you thinking, or I would think, I don't think I qualify as a Swifty. Like, I haven't been to all the concerts. And like, like, it's not fair for me to earn this. And that's sort of like fun and we can, we can choose. But then there's going to be policing in the group of people mm-hmm. whose entire lives are dictated by Taylor Swift who are like, you don't get to be part of this. So they can be actively exclusionary. I think where it can get ugly is you think of like, and I'm a white person, so I'm speaking out of turn, but like someone who is black, but grew up in a white neighborhood or Mm -hmm. someone who is mixed race, but is white passing or someone, whatever. Right. And I think there you get into, I've heard stories of genuinely being excluded from groups. You know, everyone else is like, you're not black enough. You're not Mm -hmm. white enough. You're not Asian enough, whatever. right? Right. And like that does happen. It's it's a strange way that we insist on organizing ourselves. Yeah, there there there's the, there's a community aspect that I think does go into tribalism, like Heaton uh, talks about, and and the evolutionary advantage to knowing who's your in group. Yeah, that is that that is not gonna you know. St- steal the meat you hunted or the berries right. you gathered, uh, right. you know, and is, is going to contribute to the group and, and who's, uh, from the outside and, and, and might try to take your stuff to their tribe, uh, or, or might try to, to freeload on you. 
Right. And you can think of, you know, arguments about, you know, so, so there's people who are, well, let me back up. Let me go do an example of myself. So I go to friends weddings and I'll wear dresses and I'll meet their ancient old aunts and relatives. I don't think it's relevant to say my own gender identity to these people. And I never will. And I'm going to wear a dress and I'm going to not make it about me in any way. And I think that's for my own preservation. It's because it's their wedding. There's no reason, right? You could argue that that means that I am sparing myself part of the lived experience of being non-cisgender because I can Mm -hmm. be cis-passing when I need to. And so you could legitimately say, well, what about someone who genuinely is not, you know, is transgender and can't, you know, shave their beard and and wear a dress, whatever, right? Like I'm yeah, yeah. I'm choosing to to fudge it sometimes for for preservation of myself and it's probably a cowardly move, but I do it, right? And and yeah, you could argue I'm not really suffering more air quotes uh from that identity. I mean I'm not as oppressed, right? I can't sure. erase being white or being black or whatever in a way that I can be like you know, put on some then red you lipstick cover, and dress. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, it's certainly people can lob a criticism of you're, you're being a coward. You should stand up or whatever. It, it's easy to do that from the outside. Right. Uh, but also I think there's something to be said for if you are, if you see your identity as encompassing that part and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll let that part be the only part people see for a small period of time. Is that Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's or not, do you feel like you're yeah. being a fraud? But it's easier to be a fraud and than to than to deal. <laughs> I think I'm choosing that one. I think it's yeah, like okay, all right, that's fair. I mean, you there. It depends on the circumstances, right? Like in the case of a friend's wedding, I think it is nice of me to not be like, "Here's what we're going to talk about on your big day," you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also, for the record, try to go out of my way, even though I brought it up within seconds uh, today. Uh, can you hear that music, by the way? Or is no, that okay? I, I don't hear any music. Oh my gosh, my neighbors! I don't know. There's a way to tie this to identity. <laughs> the the neighbors immediately in the building next door, like constantly Airbnb their apartment out. I think, oh. or they just mm-hmm. come in once every month. But the minute they do, they play that uh, Frank Sinatra "New York, New York" song extremely loud. Okay. So it's ringing through my apartment right now. Anyway, their identity is uh, people from there's- Long Island who once a month play. New York, New York. It's horrible. I, you know, I was expecting you to say loud music. I was certainly not expecting a New York apartment to be constantly blasting New York. Seems a little on the nose. It's, it's very on the nose. I do think it's, it's like Airbnb or something because it's people who, maybe this is tied to identity, who come to New York and think, I'm going to be a New Yorker. I'm going to play this song. But everyone who ever Airbnbs that apartment does that? That seems so Maybe odd. it's like there's a playlist set. We, my, <laughs> Boyfriend and I talk about it all of the time. Oh, that could be it. Yeah. And and it's yeah. The minute this hangs up, we're like, can you believe they're playing that song again? Oh, it's horrible. I mean, we all constantly play "I Love L.A." Here, you know, that's just <laughs> fact of life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just came from uh, my hometown where we played, you know, "Oh Maryland, My Maryland" every morning and night. So it's, it's <laughs> oh, exactly right. Tell me the, man, the amount of times I've been to Annapolis and they constantly hear that song. Yeah, yeah, constantly. I will say my Marylander identity has gotten stronger as I've gotten older, which is maybe the most boring thing I've ever said in my whole life, but as, it's true. I, that's interesting that you say that too, because my I'm from Southern Illinois. Mm. And as you noticed, I say Southern Illinois, mm. not Illinois, because if you mm. say Illinois, people assume Chicago. Uh, right. And, and 
my Southern Illinois identity used to be zero. Like I didn't want people to know that. Uh, and then I moved to Texas uh, and it became a little bit of like, well, I guess it's okay. Uh, it's Southern Illinois, not a Yankee. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I moved to California and it became very much like, oh yeah, y'all don't know anything about where I'm from. Uh, right. I'm, I'm from Southern Illinois. Let me, let me explain what that means. Uh, right. Kind of a right. situation. Again, not pushing it in people's faces all the time. It's right. not the first thing I bring up, but if it comes up, right. that's, right. yeah, it, it has become stronger. Is, is it similar where, because you're not around Maryland as much or? I think so. And I also, I'm going to go against what I just said, but I actually usually preface it with either Western Maryland or rural Maryland as uh-huh. well. So I'm yeah. from the part of Maryland. I'm like, oh, well, you know, Maryland geography where the hook is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the hook recently uh, was the one that tried to secede to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm from. Like, it's not quite Appalachia, West Virginia, but it's very, very close. Oh, and see, yeah. so for the same things as you, I think I do it to, to s- distinguish my, make a distinction between because it's not DC, right? It's not, right. Th- there's a lot of, I think here's part of it. There's a lot of people who grew up outside of DC who went to like fancy private schools and played fancy sports and did all Anne this Arundel, stuff. That, that area. Yeah. yeah. And I'm from like, I drove past cows to go to school. And I don't know, as I'm saying this, I don't know why it's so important that I, that I am clear about this. <laughs> Maybe I, it's to be like, you know, I, I get the rest of America, which is not true <laughs> at all. <laughs> But also it's, it's a, cause, cause I do the I, almost exact same thing, which is it's Southern yeah. Illinois because I grew up in a town of 5,000 people, plenty of, uh, soybeans and cows. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I want people to know like, okay, you, because I live in Los Angeles, you're going to assume a lot of things about me, but you shouldn't because this is where right. I came from. Right. I have a friend who is, I guess she's a vegetarian and she doesn't drink. And she's very quick to tell people she smokes a lot of pot. And I think that's like a good example of something like that, where it's like, you're forming because of these first two identities, some ideas about me, but I'm Mm -hmm. no teetotaler. It's just separate reasons. I'm still cool. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that healthy. Don't, don't. Yeah. No, I still, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so I think before New York, New York started playing, uh, I was about to expound further on being vegan. Like that's a part of my identity that I have to bring up sometimes. Vegans have it tough, you know, uh, because if at a wedding or whatever, if there's food being served, I have to sure. be like, is there dairy in this? Well, everyone hates me, but I hate bringing it up. It's not really a strong part of my identity in the sense that it's about, it's defi- it's anywhere near the top 10 list of like how I would describe myself to someone if I was meeting them for the first time, but it comes up constantly and i hate it because people ascribe all these horrible things to me i don't even like other vegans that's I, that's a uh, <laughs> something i i like i'm working on in stand-up is like if you tell me oh another vegan's coming to dinner i will also be like oh jesus like i can't they're so annoying right like the it, i don't like the stereotype and maybe that's where we're coming from with the illinois maryland thing is like for some reason, we're like that. I just need to be clear that the version that you're assuming is not the right one. Why that yeah. matters to us is that gets back to that core of identity. That's like, why does it why does it matter anyway? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There, there's a weird part of my own identity, which is made up of, you don't know me. I want to I subvert your expectation. Yeah. And I think that is part of what feeds the like, no, no, Southern Illinois. Like you, right. th- you think X because I worked at this place or lived in right. this you know, area. But, but that's also part of the rest of my identity. Like I, and maybe this is becoming more about personality than identity. But, but I definitely am the kind of person who doesn't want to label themselves things sometimes because I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really subscribe to any of it. You know, I, I, and, and political parties are the easiest one for me to do, which is I'm not one. Uh, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Usually when I say that to people, they assume, oh, well, that means he's my party, but he's trying to pretend to be bipartisan. And the fact is it's not Ah. like, I just, I just don't have a particular one that I I cleave to the way, the way a lot of people do. Um, But but there's other things like that, too, where I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can call me whatever you want, but it's, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I mean, even as you said that, I was like, to be candid, I was like, oh, libertarian, independent. What do we got? You know, uh, uh-huh. but that's unfair. That's completely unfair. You could be right, Green Party. You, you could be nothing. To cl- it's totally normal to classify. Yeah. Right. And I guess independent is closest because that just means, you know, but but even that has an identity now. Right. Yes. Like it yeah. didn't used to. And it does. No, and identity. I, so, yeah. Independent is an identity in a way that it used to not be. Right. No, there's a there's a concept I was literally just talking about with my data science students where we talk about it's, and this is pretty basic, but we talk about discrete versus continuous variables. Uh-huh. So a continuous variable can take on any value, right? So height, age, you could be a year and one day, a year and 1.222 days, whatever, continuous. Discrete is like there's five people, there's four apples, that. What we're doing when we do identity almost always, I'm trying to, I'm sure there's an exception. I can't think of one now is we're turning a continuous variable into a discrete one. Mm-hmm. And the act of doing that sometimes requires, we're almost forced to pick a label. So for me with the gender, it's like female doesn't feel great or woman. I hate the word woman. Man doesn't feel right. I don't love non-binary, but I'm not left with anything else. And you don't love independent, but that's not right either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then I think the people who roll their eyes are like, oh, my God, just pick one. But it's we made the whole thing up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, I, terms are only use good terms are only worth anything in as much as they are useful. Right. So right. if we're that's why English is one of the, the languages that is spoken in the most places, because it's so malleable. You can you can keep adding words to it. Uh, you have all of these borrowed words that you can yeah. use to, to, to make your meaning more, more precise. And unlike the French, sorry to dig at you, France, but we don't have an academy that prevents yeah. you from adding words. Yeah. And so we, we keep changing words. One of my favorite examples is, is uh, terrific, which mm. used to mean it terrified you. And now Ooh, cool. means that it's great. Like we just we just changed what it meant over time because yeah. it was useful. Yeah. I'm going to get one of these wrong, but there I, I put together a list of those for for my language, uh, natural language processing class a long time ago. And like girl used to mean young person of any gender oh, and huh. something like awful used to meant very good as in awful like awesome like awesome oh interesting. yeah that's very yeah 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 well and pink and blue used to be reversed 
Totally. Uh, pink used to be for boys because it was the color of blood. And uh, light blue was mm. for girls because it was the sky. Right. Uh, and then I, I think it was Queen Victoria that flopped them. I, I, I don't oh, remember yeah. how they got flip-flopped. but Was she just like, I hate blue, so- I'm not doing it? Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe she liked blood. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I really don't remember the, the how it got changed. It happened during the Victorian area, but that is the weirdest thing to think about because you're like, oh no, pink is obviously for baby girls. Like, right. Which, but it's only that way because we're trained that way. Well, and it becomes very like, uh, what's the, like the David Foster Wallace quote of like the fish, right? It's like, this is water and we're in the water, but you can't notice it because you're fish and you've always been in the water. And right. And so we take it for granted. And I, I had known that bit of trivia about blue and pink being swapped, but I had forgotten it now that you say it I'm like, oh, right. But and I don't care for the gender distinctions for reasons that are obvious. Sure. But sure. Uh, but it's ingrained in me, too. And it's hard to imagine the opposite. But then the other thing is that there are people for whom it means a ton. And to, you know, people will get upset if you put a pink a, a girl baby in a blue thing yeah and you think like gender reveal parties i went to like a like a year ago like a florist or a cake place some kind of like party store and it was like baby stuff and one side was all pink and dolls and unicorns and all blue and guns and, and rockets <laughs> you're just like we're assuming so much stuff because of like the crap that's on the body of a child yeah. when they're born. it's insane to me but to say that is an affront and 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 i i understand i well i can't fully understand, but I can appreciate that it can feel like an attack on your identity. Right. And so I think my best of my knowledge is, is, is if you feel, if you are a JK Rowling or transphobic or, or, or worry about marriage between a man and a woman versus something else, I can, I'm imagining that you feel threatened in your own identity and that's the source of it, or at least one of the big, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that go on there. One is the fish water thing where it's like, no, 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 that's just the way it is. And, and, right. and, and it's one of those, I, I still at my age come across things where I'm like, oh yeah, I only believe that because that's the way it always was. Yeah. Not because it was true. Right. Yeah. It's, it was just like, well, yeah, that's the way the world works. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, the other things are, no, 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 I, I believe there's a justification for this. It's not just because mm. it's always the way it was. It's because if you don't, uh, I, I don't know uh, what a good example is, but you know, if you, if you don't put blue on boys, uh, then they, they grow up, uh, to have bad upper arm strength or something. I right. don't know. Like, but, but right. maybe you have a consistent belief system. Right. Uh, that, that's flippant and probably a horrible example, but, but there could be <laughs> a, a more rational, like, no, 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 it is important to have X because Y. I don't know if this counts as, as you were saying that, I was like, ooh, this is a tricky case yeah. or a tricky thing to try to find a for instance of. Tell me if this fits that. I don't know if it does. Uh, we drive on the right side of the road in the United States because it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Maybe we swapped it as a, as a you know, <laughs> to signal to the British that we are independents and we're moving the cars too. I don't know. Actually, we probably didn't have cars. I'm not a it was horses. I don't know. Yeah, we, I guess. All right. We had horses on the right side of the road. We moved them to whatever. Uh but there are real reasons why we don't drive on the left that have to do with safety and have to do with where the road signals are and have to do with where other cars are and ability to get anywhere and the fact that our wheels are on the uh, on the left and all this stuff. Like there are real benefits to continuing the next time I drive to stay on the right side, even though it's not like Earth existed and said be on the right side, right? So I, I don't know if that's a good example of like no, we that- made it up. 
but it's what we have. It, it's a great example of uh, something could be arbitrary at the beginning, but then yeah. perpetuate something that it makes it necessary. Yeah. Uh, because you could you could say the exact same thing about Japan driving on the left. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, same thing. It's just because they drive on the left, everything else needs to drive on the left or else the right. whole system wouldn't work. Right. And isn't it the case, I could be wrong about this, isn't it the case that the remaining countries that drive on the left are all island countries? Because basically the rest of the world, it's a coordination game. If you're I mean, on Australia is not an island, but oh, yeah. it's certainly, I mean, surrounded by waters. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And it's, and even though it's not an island, it is, you know, as we talked about during the pandemic, uh, the worst part of the pandemic, it, it was hard to get to, right? Right, right, right. And has a, a history of the Brits hanging around in a big way, to put yeah. that mildly. <laughs> yeah, Japan is an island. Korea drives on the right, but they're a peninsula. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and then there's some countries in the Caribbean that drive on the left, but the the cars are mostly from the U.S. So the <laughs> it, you're just like, how are you driving? That's that's why. Yeah, Turks and Caicos understand. was like that, where right. I was like, what? You gave me the car with the wheel on the wrong side. Yeah. You you gave me one road on your island and very right. cheap rum, and then right. this is yeah. <laughs> so and tell me to go on the other side. You're like, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that like. Hmm, all of law is that, right? Humans yeah. made up laws and now we live by them because they've always, I mean, precedent is the thing that mm -hmm. laws are built on. It's, you know, there's another concept that I love that people have obviously heard, but uh, I came to it in, in political science as well is path dependence, right? So things that only exist the way they are because of the order of things that happened before them. Mm -hmm. And that's not true for everything, but law is gotta be one of the most path dependent things on the planet. Right. Like every decision potentially affects future decisions. And when yeah. you make these distinctions about what counts as a man and a woman and da, 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 da. And I guess that might be the argument. As you were saying this, I was I was mapping the car thing to gender and saying, like, you know, we say, you you know, we made it up, drive on the right side of the road. Mm -hmm. Now it's necessary that we continue to drive on the right side of the road for all these safety, stability, whatever, technological, institutional reasons maybe people who prefer to keep things as there's men and women and that's it would argue that it's necessary for social order, for social for family order. values, yeah, yeah. for reproduction uh -huh. to keep it that way. So they're saying, no, no, it's still necessary. And we're saying, mm -hmm. no, no, jaywalk, drive the other way. And then it sees <laughs> us as crazy, you know? And I think the yeah. other argument there is like with race, Right. So why can't I identify as black if mm -hmm. I can identify as a man if I want it? Right. And right. and I don't have a good answer for that. Uh other than well, because, don't worry, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah. I, I feel like there is an answer to be found by thinking of it as, you know, what is useful and acceptable. And mm. and you could argue that, you know, someone born a woman identifying as a man, uh hasn't been acceptable. So you could make things that weren't acceptable start to be more acceptable. Uh, but it's also because we are all starting to understand that there is something real behind that. Yes. That, 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 that is not something where you just decided like, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I used to be a fan of country music, but now I'm a fan of right. polka music. Like it's not, right. it's not like that. It's, it comes from deeper in. And as we start to realize that and understand it, we realize, Oh, well, it is important for a person to be able to identify because it makes their life better. 
Right. The, the argument then would go to, and this is a ridiculously tricky argument that I'm probably the stupidest person in the world to even put words around. But if, if I were as a white person wanting to say, well, I want to identify it black, it's like, okay, well, but why? Right. Like, do you, does, is there a real, you know, part of your personality as deeply rooted, uh, et cetera? And I don't think we've had those conversations because I don't think it's clear that there is that. Right. And I think, I mean, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that I think you and I are the first, are the best two people on the planet to answer this question. <laughs> but I find myself wondering, what does it mean to be black? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, right. To, to grow up with a particular set of cultural behaviors, a set of family traditions. And if you're in the United States and have a particular family history of slavery, as opposed to coming from elsewhere, all of that, like, there's a lot of reasons why you could claim that being identifying as black is certainly not as you're saying with gender as we're understanding there's a lot to do physiologically and biologically and uh neurologically about our gender and development of the fetus and all of this stuff uh that i don't think we have any evidence that you have that for race in any way though i will say that we have gotten into some tricky areas where if you really enjoy music and and literature and movies and whatever cultural stuff production products from different racial groups that can be seen as problematic and I don't really know how to think about that yeah, myself. Yeah. So for example like Aquafina being criticized for heavy air quotes again appropriating black culture because she mm -hmm. speaks in a certain way or I have a lot of friends when I lived in China I have a lot of friends who learned uh, from China who learned English by listening to rap music and mm -hmm. stand-up comedy and a lot of really uh, famous black stand-up comedians. And so they they speak English with almost an accent that uh -huh. I'm not even comfortable talking about, but they could come here and really get in trouble for appropriating black culture. And I don't know that that's a healthy direction to go to punish, but I don't know. Right. Well, or it's like if I wear a chi pao, like a traditional Chinese dress, like I think I can't do that anymore. Ten years ago, I could. It 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 depends on what wearing that dress or talking in that accent means and yeah. and how much people are trying to not trying to mind but but what does it what does it do to something they're trying to achieve right, right. if right. there's no inequality of the races it's an entirely different conversation than if yeah. you're dealing with a within the past 200 years recent history of slavery. And yeah. I think that gets lost when people are like, but ideally, we should right. all just be, you know, able to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, sure. Ideally is not where we're at, though. Where we're right. at is you've got inequities that people are trying to work their way out of. And you're not you're not helping the issue, right? It's like, right. No, no, no timing. It, it, it's right. not, maybe not the time to bring that one up yet. Let's, right. let's, let's figure out some of these other problems first. Right. And, and for the record, in the scheme of things, I'll, I don't need to wear my cheap pow anytime. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's yeah, difficult enough to be Asian in the United States. So I'll, I won't, uh... I'll throw one your way. Uh, right. I, my wife's a Filipino. Mm -hmm. I have a barong, a traditional mm. uh, Filipino shirt. The reason I have it is I was in a wedding and I was I was supposed to wear it. Uh, if suddenly there was a rising tide of Filipino pride and people were wearing barongs on the street to show their pride in their culture and heritage, 
I would not wear my, I would not put it on and go out. It would not be the time or place. However, if there was a family get together with a lot of my wife's family and they were all wearing barongs, I might wear it to show respect, right? Right. It's not about should I wear it or should I not? It's the context. Right. And I think our broader identity, again, it, it does, it's not in a vacuum. And I think the broader context of when it's appropriate for you to say, I have a Filipino wife, or for me to say, I lived in China, we didn't start with either of those things. And it would have been right. very strange if you started the podcast and said like, hi, I'm Tom, I have a Filipino wife, and this is my podcast. Like, <laughs> That's you know, my identity. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so it's sort of like the context. Eileen would certainly dictates, find that odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The appropriateness of even bringing up aspects mm-hmm. yeah. of your identity. No, there's, there's there's so much around that I think that people miss. Um, another example that came to mind, and I, I hope I'm not uh, taking a horse that is already gone and and continuing to beat on it. But uh, it deserved it. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> terrible horse. horse. <laughs> uh, you that horse was a jerk. Uh, I should see what you're going to make the horse before we uh, go further yeah. on that. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 one of the examples I love is uh, there is a word in Korean. Uh, which means uh, it depends on the context because Korean is a very different language, but it roughly means like to me or I or I'm depending on how you use it. But it is nega, yes. uh, almost with a D, uh, nega. Uh, yep. And in a fast flowing song, yep. it's not going to sound like that. It's yep. going to sound like a song that belongs in an African-American hip hop uh, song. Right. And what is interesting is that you will often find Korean acts change that word really? when they perform in America because they just are like, look, we have the right to use that word. It's a word in our language, a very common word in our language, but right. we don't want you to misinterpret. So we well, adjusted things. There's the exact same thing in Chinese. There's a word and I'm going to, I don't know, I'll say it. <laughs> you can bleep it out if you need to, but the word is, is naga. Mm-hmm. But it's often pronounced colloquially as nega, N-E-I space G-A, and it means that one. So if you're like at the store and you say, I want that one and two uh-huh. of that one, you would say nega, nega. And it's used as an um or a like. And so if you're trying mm-hmm. to say a sentence, you're like, I'm going to go to the, uh, 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 those us would be this nega term. And you would say, uh, grocery store. And so you say it all the time. And as a person who speaks it as a second language, I say it a lot because I am always searching for the right word. And every single foreigner, which is a Chinese word for anyone who's not from China, right, who would come to China and would hear us all, would turn to me and say, what are they saying? Why? Because it's the only word you pick up if you don't speak Chinese, if you don't speak Mandarin. And I believe uh, a business professor or some professor at like USC or some school in Southern California almost got fired. Maybe he got fired for using the word in class and everyone was like, I'm offended. But it is a word and it's a common word. It's like, um, it's so common. And I I read about that story and I never found an article that explained enough because they were all too cautious (laughs) to Mm. want to quote. Uh, But I, I can see a situation where he could be just using that word in the context of the language and somebody takes offense and it causes a problem. I could also see him knowing what he's doing and, yeah. and, and kind of winking and get like, I hey, look what I'm getting away with. And that right. would not be okay to me. Right. For, right. You know, so it's, it, again, it, it really depends on, on the situation there. And I think, uh, 
I mean, I, I was just going to say, I think that the same with the identity and the like more air quotes policing, I think with, with language, it would, I mean, I rankle at the idea of uh, Koreans changing the word in songs and I, and, and saying we can't speak this way in Mandarin in the United States because other people are too sensitive. But on the other hand, I'm okay with someone asking to have a neo pronoun used. Mm-hmm. Like Z, Z, Zem, or whatever. Like, I'm like, sure. yeah, fine. Right. I don't know. I'm being a bit hypocritical myself in sort of where <laughs> I'm okay with changing language to accommodate others. And I yeah, think that's well, a bit un- unfair I, of me. I think it's one thing to say, like, I'm going on stage in Inglewood, in California. I'm going to change the word there versus I'm going to re record the track on the CD. That, right. Yeah. Those are, those are different situations. Right. Uh, would you like to play a word game? I would love to play a word game. All right. Uh, this word game is called This and That. I will propose... Want me to say in Chinese? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it will be conducted entirely in Mandarin. Yeah, perfect. And I will respond in Korean. Uh, perfect. No, uh, it's two words uh, or phrases, uh, and you just choose one of them and tell me why. Oh, I like this. Okay. All right. First one, stand-up comedy or circus performing? Stand-up comedy. Because you don't have to put on any makeup or mm. shower off piles of glitter after each show. You just walk up, yell at drunk people, and then leave. Yeah. Uh, you've convinced me, like, 100%. That yeah. If I had to choose, that's what I choose. But you do circus perform. I do circus perform. And it is, it's it's not a 100%, you know, stand up over circus every time. It's more of like a 90-10. Mm-hmm. Circus is... If I were to argue in favor of circus, hypothetically, I would say that the benefit of circus is that it almost always, the performance is almost always going to be received well. Comedy, every joke, you know, Uh. it worked 10 times and the 11th time the audience didn't like it and it all read wrong and your tone was a little off and you're messed up. Circus, you do a split, you hold something that's on fire, people are going to clap. They're never not going to clap. It's much easier. Not easier, but the performance is, is... Lower variance in terms of audience reception. That's what I want to say. Would you say one is a dangerous high wire act and the other is circus performing? Hey, there we go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of them has a net. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fast or slow zombies? I think fast. Yeah. I'm not totally sure why, but I have a sense that if they're fast, I can do the alligator thing and like zigzag to confuse them or that they're more fragile as a trade-off. This is one I ask most people, and it usually comes down to survival or entertainment, but I Mm. think you're one of the few people, if not the first person, to pick fast with a survival angle. Mm, Nice. I think that's a way of knowing that I'll be the first to go in the apocalypse. Don't put it on your (laughs) team. Or the only one to survive because you figured out the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, beer yeah. or wine? It would be beer, but beer gives me a headache, so I got to go mm. wine. Oh, see, Day wine usually the... gives people a headache. I know. Uh, red wine is is pretty much out for me unless it's extraordinarily expensive, it turns out, mm. so if anyone wants to buy me a gift. Uh, day two of the pandemic, I had a sip of my favorite beer, which is Founders Port of the Darkest Beer. Well, not the darkest beer on the planet. Very dark beer. It's but wonderful. Very dark beer, yeah. And I had, I watched some Zoom comedy shows, and I had a headache for four days. And so, like, oh, all my friends, you know, pandemic drinking. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I, it. I bought all this Founders Porter. Almost feels not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of a coconut porter. Maui, Maui Brewing Company Ooh. makes a coconut porter. That sounds um, great. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like yeah. chocolate. Uh, generalist or specialist? Generalist. All the way. I can't focus on anything for more than 
a few hours maybe, or I go through modes and more of a meta sense in my life. Like I'll do three months where I'm like, all I care about is stand up comedy. And then I'll do three months where it's like, if I'm not doing circus, I'm not living my life. So it's, uh, it can be kind of macro modes, but I'm a generalist. I've wanted okay. to be a specialist my whole life, but I must accept my identity. But there's a scope to your generalism. That sounds like. In, in the sense that there's like some constraints mm-hmm. on it. Right. I think. Yes. You're not, you're not, Becoming an oceanographer suddenly, you know. I mean, if if there's an opening that you know about I mean, <laughs> and, great, and it comes with health insurance. I did at one point think it would be easier to make a list of careers I didn't want mm. rather than careers I did want. Because <laughs> you're right. There, there are some bounds on it. And I was like, I yeah, don't yeah. think I want to like work in restaurants anymore. Like uh, I couldn't yeah. write that down. You know, whatever. So mm. some. I would be a bad elementary school teacher because I used to want to open a bar and and then I mm. went to enough bars and realized what you have to do when you run a bar versus being in one. And I much prefer yeah. being in one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've long held a fantasy that I would be a great bartender and I mm. love I don't cook. I don't like cooking. My kitchen is filled with nothing but knives I've never used. <laughs> but something about bartending and like mixology, more air quotes, sounds very satisfying to me and very clean. Cooking involves too many ingredients, but like. Mm. A cocktail with, you know, three things and some kind of spritz on top. I feel like I could get lost in doing that and listening to people talk about their problems. Yeah. While you're flipping the bottles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I have like a white rag over my shoulder. Like I have a mm-hmm. very <laughs> old timey <laughs> view of what it is to be a bartender. But I'm you like. You have a handlebar mustache and yep. round glasses. And, yeah, and a yeah, vest. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, I'm spritzing. Savory- uh, absinthe on everything anyway keep going yeah <laughs> no please yeah. keep putting absinthe on everything I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that uh savory or dessert crepes i don't really like crepes am i off the show no you could you could you could say neither i think only okay, one other person has taken that option before so i i, I okay. encourage it groundbreaking yeah i when you i thought you were just gonna ask savory or sweet the answer is savory because uh-huh. sweet things give me a headache unless i eat savory things first so i gotta go savory my head is a wonderful place to be <laughs> but but then you said crepes and i was like oh, they're too precious i don't like i don't like a precious food too like delicate. i'll eat a hearty pancake mm-hmm. or a, a molten chocolate brownie with peanut butter like, i mean i'll get a headache but i'll do it right yeah yeah I think my identity is I have a headache, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> take that for what you want. But a crepe is too, too fragile and too special. And I feel like anyone who likes, <laughs> I'm going to get really in trouble. Anyone who likes crepes thinks a lot of themselves. That's so unfair to say. I'm thinking of like French stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the doily of like pastries. It's the doily. And I barely even like pastries. People like a flaky. No, man, make it dense. I mm-hmm, think I'm, mm-hmm. am I being racist? I don't know what I'm being. I like, don't or like, think so. Like I'll eat yeah. a scone until the end of time, but I'm like you're just being a typical me. Western Marylander. <laughs> Classic, yeah. <laughs> Who went uh, to Connecticut lo- College? <laughs> <laughs> logistics map versus knives. Oh, logistic map until the end of time. This the logistic map I use all the time. Whereas the knives, every now and again, I'll I'll use the the cleaver I, to hack open a. Yeah, knife. until you you talked about your cooking or, or lack of, I would have guessed yeah. the knives, but yeah, that no. makes sense now. Yeah. What do you use as, the logistics map for? So it's a it's a map of deterministic chaos. Uh, happy to share a Wikipedia link with your listeners. If they just look up logistic map, uh, they'll find it. And it's a reminder that even a closed system is can be ultimately chaotic. So mm-hmm. predicting things is hard. And it's a reminder of, of humility about trying to predict your own life. Oh, that's good. I like that. But the knives are, are handy. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of chaos and humility, dogs or cats? Dogs until the end of time. Mm. Yeah, I am obsessed with dogs. I don't have a dog because I love them too much. And I know it's better to have loved and lost and blah, 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 but I can't do it. But my parents have a dog. Her name is Zoe. And she's um, the main thing I think about all the time. Mm. What kind of dog? So the uh, the rescue crowd is going to be slightly against me, maybe very mm. against me. But uh, she's a double doodle, uh, which is half golden doodle and half labradoodle. But she's, she's your parents' dog. Oh, and, and she's so smart and she's so yeah. cute. How would you yeah. not love a double oh. doodle? <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, That's we awesome. adopt, don't shop, blah, blah. But my mom didn't want to vacuum anymore and I get it. Yeah. Okay. I'm also kind of allergic to other. I'm f- fading into a fragile snowflake <laughs> of health, <laughs> health problems. <laughs> You're becoming crepe like. <laughs> I'm becoming crepe like in my health robustness oh, no. to everything. Yeah. Uh, influence or persuasion? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm I'm gonna I'm lazy uh, and I like attention, so I'm gonna have to go influence. Even mm-hmm. though I'm aware that intellectually the correct answer is obviously persuasion, but I like the idea of walking into a room and changing everyone's mind with like an Instagram post <laughs> or like uh-huh. a, something on my T-shirt. I think that's a powerful uh, uh, thing to have. And maybe in this world of fake news and blah 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 misinformation, a bit of influence would go further. I don't know. I think you just described why everyone keeps using social media. (laughs) Like, seriously, I I, kind of clicked. I'm like, oh, because I'm always thinking like all these people who complain about social media, but then they keep using social media to try to fix social media. It's because of that dream of like, yeah, but if I get enough influence, I could be the one who makes the perfect meme post that, you know, just it's like some kind of neurolinguistic programming dream. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it dissolves all hatred, disease, yeah. and violence <laughs> from the planet. Someday, yeah. the perfect meme. Uh, and finally, hot that, or cold? Would, yeah, okay, hot or cold? Hot, hot. I hate being cold. I'm always cold. I'm, I'm. If I'm not hot, I'm cold. Like I'm never okay. I need to be warm. Uh, and much to my boyfriend's dismay, uh, who's always runs hot and he likes it cold. We basically live in two separate uh, temperature environments in mallory o'mara said the exact same thing to this, to this question really? like almost to a t yeah, yeah oh wow well it's also i should say i don't have a t- my identity makes me clarify i don't have a two-bedroom apartment i have a two-room apartment ah uh-huh. uh, yeah and so one room is hot and one room is cold but really he said the same thing i gotta yeah we gotta yeah. swap couples <laughs> 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 for temperature reasons yeah uh yeah. well andrea i can't tell you how much fun it was to, to chat with you thank you so much for doing this Thanks for having me on the show. This was super great. And I feel like uh, I understand what it is to be South Illinoisan, finally. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I have, I have a greater sense for uh, what a Western Marylander uh, must be like. Uh, I can't <laughs> claim to be one. Of course, that's sure. not my identity. Sure, sure. But, but yeah, no, thanks, thanks for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. If folks want to find more of what you do, where should they go? They should go to uh, all the social media. Social media is horrible, but follow me on there at Jonesroy, Jones, R-O-O-Y, and jonesroy.com. Yeah, more O's. That's what more people need to remember when they, yeah. when they spell it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lamos. Thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show and special bonus outtakes from this episode with Acast Plus. Click on access exclusive content at awordpodcast.com. We'll have a word with you next time. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.